everybody. Welcome to the Mary and Tom Show. I'm Tom. I'm Mary. This is our show. Today, we're going to talk about Forex. Because if we've timed this right, then this podcast should be released around the same time we start taking orders for our new game, Forex. And people are pretty excited about this. They've been asking us a lot, like, when is it coming out? When is it coming out? When is it coming out? And if you're listening to this, it means it's out. Hooray! I don't know if they picked that up or not, but Claus, Claus has discovered a paper tube and... Paper towel tube. Yeah. He's getting closer. <laughs> I actually was watching a live stream that the heavy cardboard folks were doing of the game Container, which is a game I've been interested in for a long, long, long time, but never got a chance to play. And during the live stream people were constantly asking about forex and when is it coming out where they'd have to like interrupt what they're doing and explain you know whatever answer i had given in in the chat and it made me feel a little bad because like this this live stream is focused on container on on this this game and people are asking about forex i even had to like type in like guys this is the container live stream I appreciate the stealth advertising, but we can't afford to pay all of y'all. So, um, let's just just focus on container. You know, um, so... Yeah, Tom's wanted that for ages. That's been on my wish list <laughs> for him for years. Yeah, but it's been out of print all, all this yeah. time, and now yeah, it's coming back into print. I was not paying $200 for you. No way to have that game. No way. No, no for, for, for me, I think you were right. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't have got it for me either. But. So now the new one is like $120. And that's that's still a lot of money. I'm sure it's worth it. I just don't know if I'll be able to get it on the table. Well, I wanted to get it for you when I was 85. But I don't know if I'll be able to get it on the table all that often because we don't play with a whole lot of people now. And I figure probably our friend Blotty probably kickstarted it. His name is actually Brian. I call him Brian. Tom calls him Blotty. That's because <laughs> he was introduced to me as Blotty. So I don't necessarily need to own a container. Because there's like a 99% chance if a game has a Kickstarter that Blotty has kickstarted it. Whereas I'm, I'm the opposite. Like, I don't kickstart very much at all. I probably will be doing the Kickstarter for Root, the the leader games game that uh, that Cole's yeah. doing. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. yeah. I, I can see that. Yeah. It, it, uh, I can't. I just, I've never been interested in kickstarting anything. I think the Kickstarters we've done... That we participated in. Uh, there was a one for Hannibal recently. Um, previous to that, there was the Kickstarter for Chicago Express with German Railways. Yeah, that took what a year or so. It took a year, but I got a copy of German Railways. And I basically oh, got yeah. a free copy of it Chicago Express. It just took a really Express. long time to get it. Yeah, and there was that book. There was the book Grant Rising, and then there was Divided Republic, the board game. Yeah, no comment on that. It was was not our 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 favorite game, and I actually take some issue with his, his thesis. It's about the 1860 uh, election, presidential election. And so everyone in the game loses if South Carolina uh, attempts to secede from the Union. So the idea is if you're able, as one of the four parties running, if you're able to get enough votes that doesn't happen, you're able to save the Union. And that really is not actually historically possible. Civil War always had to happen. And that's actually the thesis of my game, This Guilty Land, 
is that the Civil War was inevitable. It was going to happen one way or the other. So the idea that if we could find some kind of common ground between the two sides that are, that are diametrically opposed on a very important moral issue, I, I don't, that doesn't hold a lot of water with me. So that's all we've done with, with Kickstarter. We don't do a whole lot of Kickstarter stuff. We've never had very much money. You know, hey, it would, would have been nice to get a number of games cheaper, but when you don't have the money to begin with. you got to be careful which games yep. that, that you, you choose. Yep. So 4X is now available for you to order, and the question is, should you order it? And I want to say the answer is yes, you should. But Mary and I always feel that it's important that the people who buy our games are going to be, are going to be the people who enjoy those games, that you buy the game that's right for you. 4X is a very peculiar game. When we say that it's like really nerdy and really opaque and uh, has a lot of math involved, we're not kidding. It really is nerdy. It really is opaque. It really does have a lot of math involved. It is a really unusual idiosyncratic game. And it's going to be the right game for some people and not right the right game for others. So we're going to talk a little bit about the game and how it plays to try to give you a sense if it's going to be the game for you. And we certainly hope it will be. So I think the thing to start with with 4X is that it's a difficult game to wrap your head around. One thing we saw a lot with the various playtest groups, and even recently Cole Worley saw this with his playtest group, is at the end of the game, someone won, naturally, but they weren't quite sure why that person won or what they had done to achieve that victory. When we were playtesting, about one-third to half the way through, it would click with me. But it never did from the beginning. I, I would have to play it at least through to about one-third of the way, sometimes half the way. And then I would either win or come in second. Yeah, you always were very good at it. But I don't think you ever could but explain I, yeah, how... Yeah, I, I, never, I never could explain. Every single game seemed to be different. Well, it's very open-ended. It's very dependent on what the players do because there's no randomness to the game. Now, in this final version, there's a slight bit of randomness at the beginning in that each of the seven currencies has stock certificates and only 50 certificates of those 56 total are in play so six are removed randomly so it's going some are going to be better investments than others yeah you had that one game where you lost um which one was it cny i think was it the cny which made it which made it really interesting because the cny is, is weaker than the other ones at the start of the game but other than that there's no randomness it's all what the players do in the game decisions the players make because everything you do you're basically going to be either making a contract a futures contract which down the road is going to be resolved at whatever rate you made the contract at originally or you're going to be investing or divesting in certificates and those are going to nudge the values of each currency relative to the other currencies in its currency pairs and that is going to change the exchange rates and always in very subtle ways, but eventually over the course of all of us taking turns, of I take a turn, Mary takes a turn, Bob takes a turn, I take a turn, Mary takes a turn, Bob takes a turn, it's going to create differences between the currencies. Uh, it's going to nudge them in different directions and distort the equilibrium of the system to the point that you are then able to say, okay, if I do this and this, then this is what the payoff is, uh, unless that changes because it's going to fluctuate throughout the course of the game. So it's very tricky to get a hold of. Something that Cole mentioned when he was talking about the game on the Deep End podcast 
is that when you invest in a currency, so let's say you invest in the CNY, you spend two CNY to buy a CNY certificate, it then makes everyone else's CNY stronger. You have spent money and that money has resulted in everyone else's money being worth more money. And so there's at once an incentive and a disincentive to invest in things because the investments, you know, they pay off, they give you regular money, regular dividends, but they're not the core of the game. The core of the game really is the futures contracts that you make, but you manipulate those values via those investments. And then divesting uh, will decrease the value of the currencies, will weaken them. And the thing is when you divest, everyone else as part of your turn can also divest from the same currency which means you can see a currency weakened several times in one go. If I sell JPY and Mary sells JPY and Bob sells JPY, and between us we're selling five certificates all as part of my turn, the net JPY is going to be weakened you know, five times. The JPY is going to be worth much less of the other monies than it once was. But now we're all flush with JPY because we've traded in our certificates and gotten our two bucks of JPY for each one. So now we're all flush with money that is worthless or almost worthless unless there's a futures contract that you made before selling those certificates before you depreciate the, the value of, of the JPY at a favorable rate that will allow those JPY to still have the buying power they once had. So if all that sounds like fun to you, then this is probably the game for you. And if it all sounds like a headache, it might not be the game for you. And we really want people who buy this game to be the people who will enjoy it. You know, we don't want everyone to buy it and then have some people like, well, this really is the nerdiest, opaquest, butterfly effectest game in my collection. What am I going to do with this? You know, I'm not saying don't buy the game because I want you to buy it. Uh, it was, uh, it's quite a risk for us. It's very different than any of our other games. And it's quite a, a risk financially with the cost of the cards. And we think it's worth the risk. But at the same time, we want to make sure it, it fits you and your group. Now, if you're going to play this game primarily as a two-player game, it works as a two-player game, but it's a very different two-player game. It's very different than at the other player counts. So I would not necessarily recommend this primarily as a two-player game. If you're going to learn the game, I would very much advise that you learn it at three or four players and not at five or six. Learning the game at six is kind of like learning an 18xx at six with people who have never played an 18xx before. And that sounds like uh, hyperbole. It sounds like I'm kind of puffing it up, like, oh, this game is so difficult to wrap your heads around. It is such a challenge. But I'm being honest here. Don't try to learn it at five or six. Learn it at three or four. The playing time is about 90 minutes, but it's going to be longer if you have a learning game with six newbies. Uh, and that's what Edward was talking about on their podcast, the Heavy Cardboard Podcast. Because uh, that game went well over two hours. Didn't we have a couple of train games? It was, we got halfway through, and that took four or five hours. And then we had another one. I think that was 1830. There's also the Crayon Rail game. Oh, that one took what, six or seven hours. Yeah, we still, we still weren't done. Yeah. That was um, fun, though. Yeah. I think the other one was also 1830. Yeah. And I think we almost finished that, but that was like five hours. And that was because you and I were the only two who knew how to play it. Yeah. Everybody else, the other three or four, didn't know. Yeah, eighteen thirty is typically advertised being like a three-hour game, but I've never seen it take less than 
eight hours, but we're always playing with kind of new people and we're still very new to it ourselves. I don't think the time distortion is quite that bad with 4X because it's a shorter game to start with. The more people you have who don't know how to play it. Oh yeah. The longer the game's gonna go. Mm -hmm. I'd say you don't wanna learn it at two players either. It's better to go three to four players for a learning game. Yeah, because a two-player game is... We've played it two players a few times, and it's... Again, it's, it's, it still works, but it's very different. I mean, I'm pretty sure you have probably won, or as you said, come in second, if you don't win, more games of Forex than anyone else in, in the history of playing Forex. Do you have any tips? No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I just, uh, when I played the game, I knew I had to watch everything, make make plans to do this, have them dashed, and then, you know, have backup plans ready, because my first plans were for naught, because somebody did something. You know, one thing Cole said uh, when he was talking about the game with the deep end guys was that he said it was a game you can kind of play from the hip. Uh, intuitively, instead of being having the kind of single dollar brittleness that a lot of train games have, where you have to do a lot of calculations, and would you say that's probably your experience as well? That you can play the game intuitively and not have to worry about oh, this is one, this is half a buck more than that, and yeah, yeah, I would say that. Okay. The other thing about the game is that the end of the game, everything is converted to the single strongest currency. So you have these seven currencies, and one currency is going to be stronger than all the others, and then everything's being converted to that currency, and that is your, your money. That's your score. This is accomplished by using, basically by using division. And so a lot of people who aren't afraid of math, they're okay with addition and subtraction and multiplication, because we all memorize our times tables. Division is a little tricky. So you might want to have a calculator handy when doing the final conversions at the end of the game. Or a human calculator. Or a human calculator. You know, you, if you get a, a if you get a Mentat, then you'll you'll be good. Okay. You know what's dumb? This is gonna give me a lot of flack. Mentats, like the human computers in the Dune universe, they don't have real computers because of you know the anti-robot prohibition and the anti-computer prohibition. So it's all just like thinking people machines, and it's like that's that's so dumb. That's so dumb, guys. I'm going to get in trouble because Dune fans are, like, really, really in- into Dune, but the, the no. You know, I'm really surprised I've never been able to get past that one page. I, I go, every time, I've tried to read Dune multiple times, I get to the same page, and I just quit. I love science fiction. I have read hundreds and probably thousands of books of science fiction and I can't read Dune past whatever page that is. It's actually a very early page because we were talking about this and it's when Paul puts his hand into the box. That's the first chapter. (laughs) That's the first scene. And I think if you get past that, I mean, the book is not... I'm getting a lot of trouble here. The book is not very well written. The universe of Dune is cool. The world building... Some of the characters are exciting, despite the kind of bad dialogue and kind of bad plotting. I mean, it's it's not a great book to read, but it's kind of like it's kind of like Sister Carrie. 
Sister Carrie is a dreadfully boring book to read by Theodore Dreiser. Mm -hmm. It's a lot of descriptions of buttons. I mean, it's just really I haven't read that in a, a long slog. Time. But it's a good book. Just it's a good it's I think someone once described it as the best as the as the most poorly written great book. <laughs> so I would say the writing of Dune, no, it's is not my cup of tea. And a lot of the stuff is silly, but there's some cool stuff in the Dune universe. And I think if they do that movie they're talking about doing with the director who did the new Blade Runner movie and did uh, Arrival, oh. I think you'll get into it yeah. through, through that lens. All I know is it's always the same page. <laughs> well, that's it for today's show. Bye. Remember, guys, fear is the mind killer.